0: <laughs> and laughs Theater of the Mind The best love programs from radio's golden age Only on Zoomer Radio Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor
1: Well, thank you, and welcome to the show We're about to hear an episode of The Aldridge Family The creation of playwright Clifford Goldsmith, Henry Aldridge began on Broadway as a minor character in Goldsmith's play What a Life. It ran for 538 performances. And the actor who brought Henry to life on stage was 20-year-old Ezra Stone, who was billed near the bottom as the 20th actor in the cast. By the time the show had a spot of its own, it was a top-ten ratings hit, landing it solidly alongside Jack Benny and Bob Hope. Earning $3,000 a week, Goldsmith was the highest paid writer in radio. And his show became a prototype for the teen oriented situation comedies that followed on radio and television.
2: And now the Jell O family presents. Henry!
3: Henry Aldrich! Coming,
2: mother! Yes, it's the Oldrich family, based on characters originated by Clifford Goldsmith, and starring Ezra Stone as Henry with Jackie Kelk as Homer. And yes, it's the Jell O family, with its three famous desserts Jell O in those six delicious flavors, regular Jell O puddings with that old fashioned homemade flavor, and Jell O tapioca puddings. A miracle of goodness, a marvel of speed.
4: Oh! Big red letters stand for the Jell O family. All the big red letters stand for the Jell O family. That's Jell O, Yum Yum Yum, Jell O Puddings, Yum
5: Yum Yum, Jell
4: O
2: puddings. yes, sir. And now for the Aldridge family. typical teenage boy, is a little like a mirror. No man can follow Henry Aldrich very long, for instance, without seeing a reflection of the boy he used to be. The scene opens in the cafeteria at Central High School. It is right after school.
4: Gee, Homer, do I feel great. I haven't had a soda in two whole weeks. You're sure making up for it now, boy, when I think of it. Giving up ice cream just so I wouldn't catch cold in my vocal cords.
6: Boy, what a waste of time. Me, 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 me. I beg your pardon? Nothing. Only speaking of vocal cords, I'm just keeping mine limbered up. Homer, are you sure you don't want a soda? No, thanks. I'm not taking any chances with my voice. Me, 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 me.
4: Boy, am I glad I'm not in the cast. Once the rehearsals for that operetta start, you'll be tied down every darn afternoon, you poor kid. I don't mind. While I'll be as free as a bird, I can go skating, I can go on hikes. Gee, I can do all kinds of things. All by yourself, him? There's Willie, isn't there? Willie?
6: He's in the chorus with me.
4: He is? Along with Toby and
6: Charlie? Sure. Me, 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 me. Homer. Yeah?
4: All of a sudden, I'm kind of bored sitting here. Look, what do you say we go upstairs and just have a look at the bulletin board?
6: I thought you said you were positive your name wouldn't be there. Sure I'm
4: positive it just couldn't be there.
6: Me, 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 me. Homer, are you sure you didn't see my name anywhere on the list? And I told you all I saw was my
4: own name. (sighs) Gee, that's a relief. I don't know why I ever tried out for the darn thing in the first place. Me, 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 me. And besides, Homer, besides, do you really think Gilbert and Sullivan is any good anymore? Sure, don't you? Especially the Mikado. Gee, the way they'll have to make you up, nobody will ever recognize you. Not even your own family. Me, 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 me,
6: me, me, me.
4: Homer, I don't I don't like to be rude, but if all you're gonna say from now on is me, 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 frankly, the conversation's bound to get a little dull. Henry! Henry! It's Geraldine Love. I wonder if she's in the camp. Forget it, Homer. There are other people interested in other things other than operettas.
5: Miss Henry,
6: congratulations You mean me, don't you, Geraldine? No, Henry Why?
4: Because I drank four chocolate Sundays in a row? Henry, I saw your name, you modest thing, you Who, me? You saw his name where? On the bulletin board, my goodness What? But I didn't make the operetta, it's impossible You certainly did, your name's up there as large as life Why? Sure Well, there must be some mistake, Geraldine y- y- You must have seen Hank Allardyce's name Henry, where are you going? Um, no place exactly Just thought I'd casually go up and see who is... Well, whose name is like mine.
5: But, Mr. Cooper...
7: Mildred, how on earth did his name ever get on that list? I'm
6: almost positive you dictated it to me.
7: Why would I do a thing like that? Henry Aldrich in the leading role of the Mikado? I know. Mildred, you'll just have to hunt him up immediately and tell him the whole thing was a mistake.
8: You mean I have to tell him? Mr. Cooper, may I have a word with you, please? Oh, oh, certainly, Mr.
7: Bradley. (laughs) On your way, no. But,
8: Mr. Cooper... Mildred? Now, Mr. Cooper, my calendar tells me we're nearing operetta time again. (laughs) Yes, sir. Uh, Yes, indeed. (laughs) Yes. Now, there's nothing that makes me happier, Mr. Cooper, than to see you put on your little show once a year.
7: Thank you, sir.
8: And when the time comes, I'll buy my ticket and I'll attend the performance as a total stranger, I hope. That, that That's fine, Mr. Bradley. I mean by that, Mr. Cooper, I'd appreciate it if I could be completely excluded from all plans and preparations. Oh, certainly, sir. And I trust you'll keep the auditorium doors tightly closed during rehearsal? Oh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Tightly. Yes. You'll also do everything in your power to see that the entire school isn't disrupted by your little show. I give you my word, Mr. Bradley, nothing will go wrong this year. And <laughs> let's not borrow quite so much furniture this time. Uh, sir? We were still returning last year's in June. (laughs) Excuse
3: me, Mr. Cooper. Henry Aldrich is here. Hello, Mr. Cooper. Uh, Henry. uh, And how are you
4: feeling, Mr. Bradley?
8: Just fine, Henry. How are you?
4: Me, boy. I'm on top of the world. Uh,
7: Henry, uh, if you'll step back into the hall, Mildred has something to say to you. She
4: wants to give me
6: my card?
4: She'll
7: tell you about
6: it. Okay. And thank you for everything, sir. Uh, Mr. Cooper... Don't you think it would be more official if you told him?
7: Mildred, it was your mistake. Operetta trouble, Mr. Cooper? So soon? Hey, it's nothing for you to worry about, Mr. Bradley, I assure you. Uh, goodbye, Mildred. Oh,
5: dear.
4: Mildred, did you hear the good news? About me, I mean. Listen, Henry. Boy, this is the first decent break I've had since The Princess and the Woodcutter. Henry,
3: there's something I have to
4: tell you. It was in kindergarten, see? And I could swing an axe as well as the next fellow. But the whole trouble was my hair. Henry. A little kid with curly hair got the part. But I didn't mind. (laughs) Gee, my life was just starting. Henry, please listen to me. What's the matter, Mildred? Didn't you get a part in the operetta? Because if you didn't, I'd be glad to ask Mr. Cooper to give you another chance.
3: Henry, you're only making things worse.
8: What's going on here? Oh,
4: nothing, Mr. Bradley. I was just telling Mildred. I can't do it. That's
8: all. Henry, what have you said to Mildred to upset her like that?
4: What? <laughs> Nothing.
8: What did you say to her?
4: Well, gee, all we were talking about was the operetta, Mr. Bradley.
8: Operetta? So it's starting to upset the entire school already.
4: Mr. Bradley, I hope you don't feel that getting the leading part has gone to my head. Uh,
8: what's that? The leading part? You?
4: You mean you're bowled over, too? <laughs>
3: Had you phoned, Mr. Cooper?
7: I was considering writing him a letter, Mrs. Aldrich, but then it occurred to me that his mother might be the best one to tell
3: him. I'm sure I won't have any difficulty, Mr.
7: Cooper. I can't tell you how sorry I am the whole thing happened.
3: Oh, well, I'm sure Henry doesn't really believe he's playing the lead in your operetta. He
7: doesn't?
3: There's one thing about us Aldriches. We know our failings. Yes, but... And just between you and me, Mr. Cooper, Henry can't sing a note.
7: Oh, I wouldn't say that, Mrs. Aldrich. It's just
3: that he can't sing them in the right order. Uh, I think I hear him coming in now.
7: Oh, well, good luck,
3: Miss. Oh, I'm sure I won't have any trouble. Goodbye.
7: Minstrel a thing
4: of threads and hatches, a ballad songs and to- hello, mother. Hello, Henry. Three guesses what I'm singing. Na-da-na-na-na. yes, dear. And guess what else? I'm to play the lead in the operetta. Yes, dear. Sit down. Sit down? Gee, I can't take time to sit down for the next month. I've got to get started on my homework. Your homework? Sure, and get some decent marks so I don't get thrown out of the cast.
3: Henry, you can sit down for a minute. You and I have to have a little talk. We do? Okay. And now then.
4: Me, 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 Dear, do you think that's nice? You go ahead and talk, Mother. I'll just be rehearsing in between. me, 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 me.
9: Henry. Yes, Father? Uh. What, Father? That is, uh, uh, your mother wanted me to explain something to you, so, uh, did you enjoy your dinner, son?
4: I'll say. Boy, who wouldn't enjoy a dinner like that? Yes. Why do you suppose Mother had all my favorite things tonight? Even strawberry
9: shortcake a la mode. Well, that's because, uh, well, we're all extremely fond of you, son. You are? Extremely. Gee, thanks. And uh, sit down, Henry. Sure. And anyway, I think I know. Know what?
4: Why everybody in the family is suddenly being so nice to me. Because for the first time in my natural life, you can be proud of me.
9: Henry, some people might be proud because their children can play a leading role in an operetta. But personally, you know how I judge my children? How, Father? By the way, they can take a disappointment.
4: Well, oh, boy, I've certainly taken plenty of them in my time, huh?
9: <laughs> well, now... And
4: you know, Father, when I used to come home from school year after year, and you'd say, did you make the football team? Or are you in the orchestra? And I'd say no. Uh, Henry... And you used to say to me, gee whiz, Henry, why let them get you down? So you didn't make it this year. Okay, keep trying. You'll make it next year. Henry... Well, now I'll let you in on a secret, Father. Frankly, I always thought you were kind of talking through your hat. Oh, you did? But now... Boy, now I realize that's all a person has to do. Just keep trying. And sooner or later, you're bound to get a break. That's true. But uh, on the other hand... And gee, Father, as long as I live, I'll never forget that lesson you taught
9: me. Yeah... Uh, would you excuse me a minute? Alice!
4: Father, what is it you wanted
9: to tell me? Alice, where are you? Out here in the hall.
3: Did you tell him, Sam?
9: Well, we... we've been discussing it. You mean you haven't told him? Alice, it isn't just the fact that he thinks he's playing the lead, it's... It's what, Sam? Look, why can't we phone the school and have someone there tell him?
3: Dear, I thought you were impatient with me because I was afraid to tell him.
9: Alice, I don't think you realize how important this is to the
5: boy. Hey!
6: Hello, everybody. Isn't it wonderful? Well, what's wonderful, Homer? Gee, the way Henry's overcome all his handicaps and landed on top of the pile. What's that? Hey, Han, are you in the living room? Sam, what does he mean by Henry's handicap?
4: Han?
3: Hi, Homer. You're just in
4: time. I am? For what? I'm just going to do a little rehearsing. You can tell me if I hit a bum note here and there. You? A bum note? I hit them, Homer. I hit them. Oh,
6: <laughs> go on. You're just being modest. Didn't Mr. Cooper pick you for the lead out of the whole school?
4: Yeah, and the more I think about it, the more I'm more surprised than anybody.
6: Come on, you want me to play the piano for you?
4: Sure, here's the music.
6: Okay. Let her rip.
4: <clears throat> now, Henry. The flowers that bloom in the spring. tra What happened to the tra-la? <laughs> you must have hit a wrong note. Oh, I guess so.
6: Well, let's start again.
4: The flowers that bloom Henry, in this... Yes,
9: Father? Would you come into the dining room for a moment? Sure. Homer, you'll be practicing that part, meanwhile. What is it, Father? Henry, uh, I've just been having a discussion with, about something with your mother, and I wanted your opinion. Sure. Is it regarding music? Uh, well, not exactly. In a few weeks, Henry, I'm making a trip to Washington on business, and uh, your mother and I wondered if you wouldn't like to go along. To Washington? No! Yes. Gee, there's nothing in this world I'd rather do. Boy! Of course, it would mean resigning from the operetta, but after all, a trip to Washington. Father, when would you be going? When is the operetta? The week of the 27th. That's when we're going.
4: (laughs) (laughs) You mean I'd have to give up my part? I'm afraid so. But, Father, what would Mr. Cooper say? Everybody think I was walking out on them. Henry,
9: him. I'm sure you could explain it to them.
4: I couldn't explain it to Geraldine very well. She's playing opposite me. Well, yes, She but... might even take it personally. But,
9: Henry, you've never been to Washington, D.C. It's the
4: capital of your country. Sure, Father. And I appreciate your offering me the trip. But, Henry...
6: But duty comes first. Come on, Homer, let's get back to work. Okay, and I think I know where I was making my mistake. Let's go. The flowers that bloom in the spring, Tra-la,
4: breathe promise of merry sunshine. As we merrily dance and we sing, Tra-la. Hey, Homer.
6: Yeah?
4: You got a little closer that time. But you're still kind of flat <laughs> I'm sorry, Hen Oh, that's okay Some people just don't have any ears for music It isn't their fault Gee,
6: I could have sworn I was sticking to the music
3: uh, Henry Yes, Mother? Uh, dear, uh, have you looked at it this way? Looked at what? There really isn't any money in singing There isn't? I'm afraid not, dear You see, organizations that hire singers Usually can't afford to pay very much Well, I, I know, oh, For but... instance, you take our church group While we'd love to be able to afford a singer Our budget just won't permit it Gee whiz, Mother, if
4: that's all you're worried about I'd be glad to sing at your church <laughs> And I wouldn't think of charging Oh, dear Sam! <laughs>
2: Henry isn't the only one who's anxious to sing. Here are a few notes from Meredith Wilson and his talking people.
8: Intermission! Intermission! Jello is the grandest dessert in the world. And now, back to the Aldrich. Hey, wait just a minute here. How can you
10: interrupt the Aldrich family in such a crucial situation?
8: Well, you can always interrupt with anything as tempting as Jello's six delicious flavors. Starting with strawberry, raspberry, ooh, cherry, ooh, cherry ooh, orange, lemon, ooh, lime. Ooh, and every one of those rich, fruit like flavors reminds you of the real ripe fruit itself. Flavor that's locked right into jello, locked in so that it can't possibly get out until your first delectable spoonful. That's fine. Intermission over.
5: Curtain, curtain, curtain
8: going up. Hey, hold it there. Intermission is not over. I haven't even begun to tell the people half of the wonderful things about Jell-O, all the variety of salads and desserts that you can make so easily with any one of jell six delicious flavors. Take, for instance, uh, strawberry. Raspberry. Cherry. Pine.
5: Lemon. Lemon. <laughs>
8: okay, kids, you win.
9: J-E-L-L-O. And now, back to the Aldrich family. <laughs>
2: Yes, getting back to the troubles of Henry Aldridge. Due to a mistake, Henry has gotten the impression that he has to play the lead in the school's production of The Mikado. The task of informing Henry of the error has been passed from one to the other with the result that no one has told him. The scene opens in Geraldine Love's house. It is the next day.
3: But, Mother, he's so unreasonable about the whole thing. Who's unreasonable, Geraldine? Charlie Clark, Mother, haven't you been listening? Well, well you yes, Just but because I... he didn't get the leading part in the operetta, and Henry Aldrich did. He says he has a far better voice, and all Henry got the part on was his good looks. He got it on what? His good looks, Mother, his good looks. Haven't you noticed Henry in the right light recently? No, I can't say I have. Well, anyhow, Charlie Clark's so mad he says he's through with the Dramatic Society, the Debating Society, and the promotion of International Goodwill Society. In fact, he says he's going to leave school. Who is? Charlie Clark, Mother, my goodness, haven't you been
5: listening?
7: Uh, come right in, please. Thank you.
4: Gee, Professor Everett, I guess you hardly remember me, huh? Uh, Henry Aldrich, you say? Yes, sir. I used to take piano lessons from you. You did? Sure, for two years. Then you had to go away on a long vacation.
7: <laughs> Yes, I remember now. I'll never forget it. Well, how nice of you to drop in, Henry. Thank you. A social call, I hope? Uh,
4: Not exactly. You see, up until recently, I didn't have any voice to speak of. But all of a sudden, it seems to have turned into something. Is that so? And while I'm not sure I ought to take on more studies, I'd just be interested in learning what you charge. For singing lessons? Yes, sir. And since my folks have poured so much money into you in the past, well, I I thought I'd try to swing this myself.
7: I see. Well, suppose you sing something for me.
4: Sure. Uh, do you happen to be familiar enough with Tit Willow to accompany me? I'll do my best. Okay. Me, 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 me. <coughs> a tree by a river, a little tomtit sang Willow, tit willow, tit willow (laughs) And and I said to him, Dickie Bird, why do you sit Singing willow, tit willow, tit willow Is it weakness of it?
7: Huh? That's fine. But
4: but I learned all three verses. Yes,
7: but... uh Frankly, Henry, I'm inclined to agree with you. About my voice? No. You really shouldn't take on any more study. Will the orchestra please come to order? Thank you. Toby Smith, did you hit George over the head with your violin?
8: No, sir, he just
7: stood up. (laughs) Order, order, order. Now I just want to say one thing. We start rehearsals with the cast in two more days, and they're going to need some recognizable music. So let's go through a wandering minstrel once again. And please don't play anything you haven't got. There's enough missing already. A one, two, three.
8: Bradley, you mean the auditorium doors weren't closed? They were, Mr. Cooper, but may I have a word with you out here in the hall?
7: Well, I certainly, certainly, Mr. Bradley, certainly. Uh, will the orchestra please stay put? After you, Mr. Cooper. No, 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 sir. After you, Mr. Bradley, sir.
8: First of all, I've just had a very interesting telephone conversation with Mrs. Aldridge. Henry's mother? Yes. It seems that Henry still thinks he's going to play the lead in your operetta.
7: Oh, no, Mr. Bradley. I
8: phoned his mother yesterday myself. She told him. But the fact remains, she hasn't told him, nor has anyone else told him. Why not? She says that isn't the question. She wants to know why you allowed Henry to believe he was playing the lead in the first place. Oh, may I explain that? When I have finished, I have here a petition signed by some 30 students headed by the name of Charlie Clark stating that unless Charlie is given the leading role, they will drop out of all school activities, including the drive to raise funds for new trays in the cafeteria. And now, Mr. Bradley, may I explain? (laughs) When I have finished, I also have a letter here from the mother of a student named Mildred Carter. You know her, of course. Uh,
7: She's the girl who posted Henry's name on the bulletin board.
8: The child is in bed as the result of a nervous collapse. (laughs) Well, I, I, I... Once more, Mr. Cooper, you are putting on an operetta. And once more, the operetta is upsetting the entire school.
7: Very well, Mr. Bradley. I'll tell Henry myself that he is not playing the lead in the micada.
8: About that, Mr. Cooper, I have here a report from no less than six of Henry's teachers who say that overnight he's showing more industry and application than anyone else in his classes. Who, Henry Aldrich? The boy has apparently taken a new lease on life. Why, that, that's astounding. And in view of the fact that scholastic standing is always of prime importance. Uh, yes, sir. How can you now take Henry Aldrich out of the leading part in your operetta? But, 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 Mr. Bradley, what am I going to do? The question is, Mr. Cooper, what am I going to do now that your little operetta has turned the entire school upside down? <laughs>
3: Sam, I don't see how you can possibly go through with it.
9: Alice, I've just attended a two-hour meeting of the entire high school faculty. The entire faculty? And this is what was decided. And there is nothing to do now but let Henry know. I wouldn't have the courage. Courage or not, it's my fault things have gone as far as they have. Henry! Yes, Father? Will you step into the living room, please? Sam,
3: I've known people who were scarred for life because of a thing like this.
4: Were you calling I,
3: Father?
9: Yes, Henry. Uh... Alice, I think you better leave.
3: I think so, too. Henry, I'll be out in the kitchen making you a chocolate cake.
4: Father, is there something wrong with Mother?
9: No, Henry. <laughs> Just sit down. Okay. Henry, can you take some bad news? Yes, sir. It's about the operetta.
4: You mean because you're going to Washington, you won't be able to hear me sing?
9: Henry, I'm going to let you have it straight from the shoulder. <laughs>
6: So. Was I? Was I really? Was that a swell show?
4: Thanks, Homer. And gee, you were swell, too. Oh, oh, oh. Gee, you look
9: coming backstage. Henry! Henry! Come on, Alice. Henry, we just
3: heard someone say this was the best operetta the school has ever put on. You did, Mother? <laughs> Gee, it wasn't that
9: good. It certainly was, son, and we're proud of it. Oh, you.
3: thanks. Oh, and listen, I have a
4: couple of things to take care of. I'll be
5: right back. Alice,
9: <laughs> let's work our way over there it's really quiet. Oh,
11: doesn't Henry look cute? Look at the way he's rushing around. <laughs>
9: Alice, when you get down to it, isn't youth amazing?
7: It certainly is.
9: And to think I dreaded telling Henry that instead of playing the lead... He was to be head stage manager.
3: The best stage manager Central High ever had.
9: Yeah, nobody but a boy could take it on the chin like that and bounce right back again. I'm
3: oh, all ready, Father. Henry, what are you doing with that suitcase? Gee whiz, I'm all packed. What time
4: does our train leave? What train? For Washington. For Washington. <laughs> what?
9: Sure, Father.
4: Isn't this the night you said you were taking me? Alice. Uh, Sam.
9: Henry, your mother has something to tell you. <laughs> Sam!
4: Boy, Geraldine, you were swelling tonight's operetta. Oh, thanks, Henry. You were a wonderful business manager, too. Gee, oui, thanks. You know, you could make singing your whole future career.
6: Oh, no. I've got another career all picked out. You have? My goodness, yes. I want to marry a famous businessman.
4: Don't you mean a business manager?
2: Well, speaking of careers, what a famous one. Jell-O has made for itself as America's favorite gelatin dessert. Yes, Jell-O. The luscious, shimmering dessert that comes in six delicious flavors. Strawberry, raspberry, cherry, orange, lemon, and lime. All six rich with that famous locked-in goodness. Tomorrow, try Jell-O Peach and Banana Mold. Just prepare one package of lime Jello as usual. Then pour your Jello over one-half cup of drained, canned, sliced, cling peaches arranged in a mold. Add one sliced banana and chill until firm. It's a quick and easy dessert to make, and it's so gay to look at, so tempting to eat. Stock up on Jell-O for the weekend. Look for those big red letters on the box. Those big red letters stand for the Jello Family. The Aldrich Family, starring Ezra Stone as Henry with Jackie Kelka's Homer, is written by Patricia Jowdrey and Del Dinsdale. With music by Jack Miller. Mr. and Mrs. Aldrich are House Jameson and Catherine Roth. And this is Dan Seymour in New York saying, The Aldrich Family is brought to you by the Jell-O Family. Oh, oh
4: the big red letters stand for the Jell-O Family. Oh, the big red letters stand for the Jell-O Family.
5: That's jell Yum, yum, yum.
4: Jell-O Pudding. Yum, yum, yum. Jell-O Tap.
2: Open parties. Yes, sir, and now stay tuned for the Burns and Allen show, which follows immediately over most of these same stations.
1: Stay tuned for Orson Welles in the Lives of Harry Lyme. You're listening to Theater of the Mind on Zoomer Radio, AM 740 at 96.7 FM in downtown Toronto. And now Orson Welles as Harry Lime in the episode entitled The Painted Smile.
12: Presenting Orson Welles as The Third Man. The Lives of Harry Lyme. The fabulous stories of the immortal character, originally created in the story The Third Man, with Zither music by Anton Karas.
13: I've got a story for you. A story about a canvas cloud, a tinseled world, and bloody murder. If that and how it all happened in Taormina, which is in Sicily. I know it happened because I saw it. I call the story The Painted Smile. Stick around. <laughs>
12: Wilson Wells as Harry Lyme, the third man, in today's story, The Painted Smile.
13: I've always had a fondness for the exception that breaks the rule. Maybe it's because I like to break rules myself. Take a smile, for instance, one of the intangibles of life, so everyone says. But What about that smile of the Cheshire Cat's? That grin hung around long after Puss had vanished. you call that intangible? Like the smile I'm going to tell you about. The horrid humor of that painted smile lingered long after the man who wore it was quite dead. As I'd come to Tarmena for a holiday, the circumstances were ideal. I had some extra cash in my pocket, the climate was fine, and the local police were completely disinterested in me. But I no sooner entered my room at the San Domenico Hotel, I was testing the mattress, as a matter of fact, when a long-bladed Sicilian knife whispered past my ear and wickedly winked at me from the bedpost. Since I was naturally somewhat curious, I turned rather quickly, and standing there in the doorway was a slim man with pale brown hair, pale monkey eyes, and the face of a tragedian.
14: Why, Tony, you old clown.
13: Harry, you old
14: devil, what bring you to Tarmina? Money,
13: money, old friend. The climate, a certain weariness, and this happens to be one of the last places in the world where Harry Lyme is welcome. <laughs> <laughs> and you? Same old
14: reason, the circus is playing here. A circus in Sicily? Mm-hmm. Isn't that bringing coals to Newcastle, old man? Not everyone is laughing and happy in Sicily, and clowning is my business. I was born to make people laugh. A clown. Yes, you were born the greatest con man of them all. No, Harry. I have a certain talent for crime, perhaps slate of hand, facility with a knife, but not the heart. I'm afraid I'm an honest man, Harry. (laughs) All the more reason to be my
13: guest tonight, Tony. Share the pleasure my first night in Tarmina.
14: To the contrary, you shall be mine. I'll serve you Sicilian pasties for hot dogs, champagne for pink lemonade, introduce you to every freak on the midway, and seat you in a box for the main show. How would you like that, eh?
13: Yes, I'd, I'd like that. So just this night, I'll step inside your canvas cloud, old man, pop the enchanted peanut in my mouth and enter the circus heaven of youth. <laughs> I believe every gilded angel and tinsel queen I see smell the animals, walk the sawdust stairway to the stars. Yes, Tony, I'll be happy to accept your invitation to the circus. And who could ask for a better host than the clowns? <laughs> We left the midway crowd, the lights and the blaring calliope. Then the growl of jungle beasts came to me. We approached a small dressing tent. Then the clown humbly called for his friend.
14: Nola! Nola! Are you in there? You again,
11: Antonio? What is it?
14: I want to see you.
11: You will see me later. Go away!
14: But I have a surprise for you, Nola. A wonderful surprise. A surprise?
11: A present, perhaps?
13: The canvas flap snapped back and she stepped into the yellow glare of the lamps. Nola, hair as black as though it had been poured out of an ink bottle. Body sinuous, graceful, like a cat's. And she was like a cat. And
14: her ice-gray eyes flared strangely when she looked at me. So this is your wonderful surprise, Antonio. Nola, this is Harry Lyme, my friend. I'm always happy to meet a friend.
13: The way she said it, the way she was looking at me... made it seem like we were all alone. Just Nola and me. I know a kind of female. I also knew that Tony was in for a bad time. Funny so thing, he knew it too. Told me about it a little later while he was putting on his clown makeup.
14: So you feel sorry for me, Harry.
13: Well, I don't feel one way or the other about anyone, but if you fancy Nola for yourself, you're a chump,
14: old man. I know, I know. Oh? And you like to be kicked in the teeth, is that it? Look at me, my friend. What is there about me for a woman to love? There is a great deal about Nola to love. Mm hmm. To admire, to desire, yeah. To love? Uh uh-huh. You're forgetting something. I am. All clowns suffer? Oh, yes. Paint a smile on their face to hide a broken heart. Ah, really, old man, don't be (laughs) trite. Noel is like a fever in the blood, a disease. She's not good for me, perhaps, but the pain of loving her is better than the ecstasy of loving any other woman.
13: I agree with you, Tony. You never, never would have made a
14: good confidence man. You think the clown white has gone deeper than my face? That my thinking has become as theatrical as my profession? (laughs) Perhaps, perhaps. Ah. Well, the show is about to begin. Help me with my wig, Harry. Oh,
5: there you are.
14: Ah. Am I not the funny man? Yeah, very funny. See you later, my friend. Now Antonio must go to clown and dance like a puppet.
13: Well, Nola pulls the strings, hmm? Laugh, brown, laugh. You poor Schmoo. It wasn't a very big circus, but it looked like the greatest thing on earth to the folks in town, They laughed at friends' antics till they cried, moved and nodded the trapeze performers, and gasped at Nola's animal. Then came the grand climax.
12: Senoria, eh, senoria! You have seen the beautiful Nola command the tigers, the pumas, the lions, like they were house kittens. Now you shall see the unbelievable... Antonio, the great clown, shall enter the cage of the black puma and make him dance.
13: And he did. He did. Going into the main animal cage, Tony pantomimed his bravery to the crowd. He cracked his whip, he strutted, he he proved to himself at least that he was afraid of nothing on four legs. Then a smaller cage was rolled in and opened on the main cage, and another clown in the costume of the black puma sprang inside with Tony. First, my friend was terrified, then he saw the was as frightened as he and they made friends and waltzed around the cage together as the audience screamed with mirth. It was as simple as that. But Tony's clowning was touched with genius. In his performance, there was all the posturing and heartbreak and fear of the world. And by conquering his fear in the shape of the puma, he put a happy ending to his story and everybody went home happy. was everybody but Tony. I saw him after the show waiting for Nola she ran up from the main tent. Still carrying her animal whip.
14: Nola! Nola! Get out of my way! But Nola, I must talk. Take to your you. hands off me! Let me go!
13: A whip, cruel and quick as a puma's claw, cut across his face. I could see a livid wheel rising under his clown white. But Tony took it. Took it silently. Just looked after Nola was big eyes. Then he saw me. Thanks for the show, Tony. It was swell, but uh, the rest of the night's on me. Now, let's do Tamina hmm?
0: Like men.
14: You, you will excuse me tonight, my friend. Tomorrow I'll come to the hotel. Tomorrow.
13: I went back to my monastic cell to do some thinking. I say cell, call it that, because the Hotel San Domenico, Tamina, was in the 16th century a monastery. And now in the 20th century, it's a very unmonk like character who walked its sacred tiles and pondered on human passion. And then? I had no reason not to answer the door. Yeah? No. She was small. Very young, very dewy. You know, the moonlight for hair and stars for eyes sort of thing.
11: You are Mr. Harry Lyme? I am. I am Thérèse.
13: That's enchanting.
11: You will invite me in? I would speak with you.
13: Well, I can't imagine a more satisfactory conversation.
11: I will sit here.
13: If you like. It's all very femme fatale very intriguing, but... uh, just how do you happen to know my name?
11: I asked the manager.
13: Hmm... Now they do make things easy, that's I mean, I don't they? What? It's unimportant.
11: I just arrived at the hotel a while ago. I am staying here, too.
13: Alone? Oh, yes. I see.
11: You do know Antonio Vega?
13: Anton Oh, sly dog. You're another one of his girls, is that it?
11: I am his only girl. Oh,
5: of course, of course. I am his
11: daughter. <laughs> oh. The manager told me that Papa was here to see you this afternoon. He said you were his old friend. <laughs> <laughs> is that so funny?
5: No,
13: no, don't start that again.
11: I came to you, Mr. Lime, because I could not find Papa. He wrote to me he was going to be here. He is a traveling salesman, you tra- know. Oh, no. So when school closed for vacation, instead of staying there as usual, I thought I'd come here and surprise Papa.
13: Papa and me, hmm?
11: Hasn't he told you about me?
13: Uh, yes, oh, yes, he... Of course.
11: Then oh, you oh. know where he is. I can go to him.
13: Well, uh, as it so happens, your father's coming to the hotel tomorrow, my dear. Why don't you wait for him here and really surprise him,
11: hmm? What a wonderful idea. Oh, Mr. Lyme, I could kiss you. Oh, no.
12: Harry Lyme returns in just a moment. Now, Orson Welles, as Harry Lyme, the third man, continues in today's story, The Painted Smile.
13: Teresa didn't know her father's real profession any more than I'd known Tony. He had a daughter. My clown friend was beginning to interest me more and more. A man of many lives, one of those still waters run deep boys. And in spite of the sheltered life he'd lavished on Teresa, she'd walked into the finest emotional trap the devil himself could set. What to do? I breakfasted with the young lady on the terrace. Well, they're popular, they're public.
11: Harry, is that you? Oh,
13: oh, pardon me, you are busy.
5: Papa! Oh, Papa! Therese!
13: Oh, kiss her, Tony. Go on. I'm sure I would if I had such a daughter.
5: Oh, it's so
11: wonderful to see you, Papa. Be with you again.
14: But, kitten, you you should have stayed at the school.
11: You are not glad to see me?
14: Of course, of course, my darling. But, But my work, you know, I... I have so little time. That is why I always visited you instead of you coming to see me.
11: If it's only one little minute of the day, it's worth it, Papa. Just to be near you. Don't have
13: a heart, Tony. She'll have me in tears.
11: Your cheek. Oh, Papa. What happened to your poor cheek? A terrible
14: scar. Uh, It was an accident, Therese. Another reason why you must not stay. It is impossible. You understand the situation, Harry. What situation?
11: Why should not a daughter be with her papa?
14: It is impossible. You will go back to school like a good girl, yes? Or to the relatives in Naples. No! Therese?
11: No! No, no, no! I will never leave you, even if you don't want me around.
14: Well, just who won that round, Tony, old man? What can I do, my friend? Why, tell her the truth. And bring her shame? Therese thinks of me as a businessman, dignified, honorable. What would she say if her father told her that he was a clown? You're going to have to tell her something. I said I was an honest man, my friend. That isn't true. What do you do? Pick the pockets of the other clowns? I smuggle emeralds. Again? The smuggle emeralds. It was for her, Harry. Therese. How could I support her in such a fine fashion? Good clothes, private schools... on the earnings of a clown in a wandering circus? I haven't thought about it much. didn't even know
13: your kitten existed, you see. That is
14: one of many things I haven't told you, my old friend.
13: Forgive me. Forgiven, but the uh, the emeralds...
14: You see, I've been very successful in the smuggling trade... but very careful. Over the years, I've saved a small fortune. And now I want to ask you a favor. For the fortune... Anything, old man, for the fortune. It's for Therese when she reaches 21. If anything should happen to me before, see that she gets it. Why be so morbid? The way things are lately. You know, Harry, with my life, with Nola, I think my luck's changed. Well, how do you know I won't keep the fortune for myself, old man? The same way I know you won't inform on me to the police. Yeah.
13: You you figure this pot's too smart to call
14: the kettle black, is that it? That's so nice? one way of putting it. <laughs> Come uh, to the circus tomorrow night, Harry. I'll show you where my savings are hidden.
5: Mm.
14: And Therese? Therese, I will think of something. Ah, better her heart should break a little now than learn the truth about me and then... I'll meet you tomorrow
13: night, Tony. I didn't like the way things were going. Not that Harry Lyons averse to learning the exact location of a man's fortune, but this particular collection of Moolah seemed to have hardly too many strings attached to it. However, I decided to let tomorrow take care of itself. I was deep in the arms of Morpheus when.
5: Oh.
13: (sighs) Yeah. Yes, what the devil do you mean, waking a man up in the middle of the night?
5: That is Mr.
10: Lime, Mr. Harry Lime.
13: Ah, uh, who's calling? This is Signor Borgia,
10: Borgia, the story of Taormina, Department of Public Safety. The police? And it is not midnight, Mr. Lyme, but nine o'clock in the morning.
13: Well, that's a matter of opinion, sir.
10: Yes. You will do me the great favor of coming to my office within the hour, well, I'll do
13: nothing of the sort, uh, Borgia. As I told you... You will
10: I'll... come, or you will become a for. You are already under surveillance...
13: Well, I'll do you the great favor, Questore uh, Borgia.
10: Your generosity is exceeded only by your wisdom, senor, in the, the hour.
13: I never argue with a policeman over the telephone, beyond a certain point. And when he bears the name of Borgia, well, when in Tarmina, do what the Maniacs do, I suppose. I visited the Questore. I found him a small, alert man, all spit and polish. He eyed me like a hungry
10: robin, views a fat world. Sit down. Sit down, Signor Lime. You are a friend of Antonio Vegas? Oh,
13: Tony must have... must have many
10: friends, I should think. Too many. At one time, this Vegas was in your profession. A confidence man. Tony's a good clown. And a smart one. His buffoon makeup hides more than the proverbial broken heart, doesn't it? Does it? Vegas heads a smuggling ring. Emeralds. Are you trying to tell me you know nothing about the traffic?
13: Well, I've never dabbled in emeralds, Borgia, old man. They're too hot for my blood.
10: You refuse to admit that you are in partnership with Vegas? If what you said is true, well, I wish I was. Do not try to warn your friend. He will never leave Taurimina. Well, they're the worst places to live. Good morning, Signor Lime. Good morning. That mean I can go now? It does.
13: Well, am I still under surveillance? Yes. Why? Oh, well, my holiday mood, that's all, old man. Hope your bloodhounds are broad-minded. Good morning. How is it that I always get into these things? Here I was about to do Tony a favor. No profit in it for me at all. Well, I went to his dressing room that night, and he showed me his fortune, all tucked away under a false bottom of his costume trunk, and all in American bills of high denomination.
14: It's a pity to see it lying there, just doing nothing. Well, ah, now that you know where the money is hidden, I'll replace the bottom.
13: Tony, old boy, I still say I'm, I'm not in this. Eh? it's not my kind of kind of caper. Send the nest egg to the relatives in Naples. Hmm?
14: I don't trust them. Oh, really? You know how it is with good people. Yeah. Southern wealth may change their natures completely. Whereas you... Say no more, old man. <laughs> and here is something else for you to see. Hidden in this bladder, I use for one of my props. Emeralds. Perfectly cut. Some of them are as big as robin's eggs. in nothing but the finest merchandise. Evidently. Uh, who's your fence? Lazzetti.
13: Well, the best. I find him to be the best. Tony, you're one of the few men I've ever underestimated. Who would suspect the clown? Yes, but I must warn you, Tony, that there are some... Who...
11: You say Mr. Vegas is in this tent?
14: Si, senorita.
13: Therese. Yes, yeah, she must have followed me here. Quick, help me hide these. Yeah.
14: Papa, oh, I have found you. Yes, there is. You have found me. And now you know what your father really is. He's the
11: best... A clown. I think it is too wonderful. Oh, Papa, did you think I would look down on you because you were a clown in a circus? It is much finer than a traveling salesman. You are angry because I found you out?
14: Oh, well, I should have. What can I do, Harry?
13: Well, I guess give her a pass to the show. <laughs> I'll take charge of her.
11: Oh, thank you. Thank you. What
14: can I Nola, do? Am I intruding, Antonio? Nola!
13: There were no introductions. I took Teresa out of there as soon as possible. But before we left, I caught Nola's eyes on the emeralds. They narrowed like a cat's. The lady knew her way around gems as well as men. And that bothered me. The climate of Tsaormina had suddenly become very unhealthy. I would have quit the place that night if Borgia's bloodhounds hadn't been guarding every point of exit.
11: Why is Papa going into that animal cage, Mr. Lyon?
13: Oh, it's nothing. He's, he's pretending to he's a cat trainer, you know, like Nola. <laughs> See how brave he is.
11: Oh, oh, how funny he is. Yeah. How wonderful is my Papa.
13: Oh, great. <laughs> Tony's funniest routine began. He was giving the greatest performance of all his life because his daughter was in the audience. The puma cage was wheeled up to the main cage and the door opened. Out came the puma. But no costume found this one. A very large, very live and very vicious cat sprang into Tony's cage. and stood there a moment, lashing its tail and blinking in the lights. In that moment, before it sprang at my old friend, I saw Nola's face watching from the tent entrance. Her eyes wide, her lips drawn back in an animal smile. Her hands stretched before her like claws, as though she were about to attack.
5: No! No!
13: very quickly. Once I was glad to see the police. Puma was shot and killed. Nola was apprehended. What was left of Antonio Vegas was taken to the hospital tent. As so I said, he found a way out of Tarmina. The hard way.
5: No, don't.
14: Don't cry, Keaton. It was an accident. No. It
11: was no accident. Like the scar on your cheek. She did it. She did it. I did nothing. It was an accident. Somebody switched the cages.
13: What do you mean? Well, Presidente Borgia, I, I, I think I can prove differently. It wasn't no, an accident at all. He lied. Antonio Vegas is my friend, Signora. You can understand that word, friend. Why should I lie? I saw you switch the cages deliberately.
11: No, no, I did not. I did not.
13: And I know why you did. Harry. It was because of
11: jealousy. Jealous? Of that clown? Stop it! Stop it! You shall not laugh at my papa! Your...
0: Your papa? Thank you. Thank you, Harry.
12: Harry Lyme returns in just a moment. Now, Harry Lime. I
13: think somebody before me once pointed out that women are very curious creatures. You take Lola, for instance. Lola was quite prepared to murder the man she loved, just out of a fit of jealousy. Some women, of course, indulge in a more refined and less dangerous form of vengeance... They arrange matters for the men they love so that life just seems like death. I sometimes wonder what life would be like without women. So quiet and peaceful. And so very, very dull.
1: Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Sam Spade, followed by X-1. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer of Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great evening.
0: This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.